Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friend, and welcome back. As we continue on in our Matters of the Heart series, it's a gift to welcome Courtney Rysick to the show to talk with her about bringing our feelings to the Lord and asking Him to teach us. Courtney's most recent book, Teach Me to Feel, released at the beginning of 2020, and it is a true gift for anyone facing the trials of this year and wanting to work through emotions like a Christian. Courtney is a wife and a mom, a writer and Bible teacher, and her love for God and His Word is so evident in her writing and in this conversation. Today, Courtney explains for us what happens if we don't view our feelings and emotions rightly and the kinds of errors that we might fall into. We also talk about how the Psalms guide us in submitting our emotions to the Lord and trusting Him with our feelings. I am so thankful for this conversation, and I can't wait to share it with you. So let's jump in now with my conversation with Courtney Rysick. Welcome to you, Courtney. I'm so thankful to have you here at Women Encouraged. Thanks for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. Can you go ahead and just uh, give us a little introduction to who you are and tell us your story? Uh, my name is Courtney Rysick. Um, the My last name is always hard for people to say, so I always, the G is a CK sound, so it's nothing, that, it's not phonetically said like like it's spelled at all. Um, I have the same problem, actually. I'm, yes, my, my, the G in my name is a K. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's a, it's a, is it German? It's Dutch, but yeah. Okay. Same, oh, yeah. You same principle. <laughs> yeah, it is the same principle. So, the um, yeah. So I live in Little Rock, Arkansas. We've been in Little Rock for nine years, and we've been married for eleven years. And we have four sons. We have twins who are seven. We have another son who is five, and then we have a son who will be three next week. So I just say he's three because he'll be three next week. And, um, we, my husband, uh, we met at Southern Seminary, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, and we were both students. He graduated with his MDiv in, uh, 2011, then we moved here for ministry. And then he's, uh, serves in a, uh, has served in a lay capacity as an elder and, um, community group leader and, um, discipling people and, um, but he's in medical sales. So he, sells operating room equipment. So he's a businessman by trade and then a, um, has a pastor's heart to serve in a lay capacity. And I uh, write and teach the Bible and uh, I'm home with my boys when I'm not doing that. And um, yeah, so right now we're in the middle of the coronavirus. So I'm not doing a lot of teaching the Bible apart from doing podcast interviews and, and some writing. So, But I've written three books and my third one is just came out. It's called Teach Me to Feel and it's on the Psalms. Yeah, it's a super good book. I'm very passionate about the Psalms. It's actually been, before I knew about your book, I started kind of journaling about how the Lord had used the Psalms to hold me up through my own uh, particular trial Hmm. in November. I 
well, actually, I should back it up. In October, I made myself a plan on my birthday to read through the Psalms every month. I decided I wanted to just do this as a practice for myself. And at the end of November, I fell very hard and hit my head and had a brain injury and I wasn't able to read. And the Lord held me up through what I had taken in in the Psalms. And it was only the Psalms that kept coming back. And so when I read your book, I just felt like this closeness to your message just because of the truth that's packed in here really about how God uses his word to help us process our our life, how to understand what's going on through the language of the Psalms. And it's such a beautiful and powerful thing. And so I'm wondering, can you share, because I have my own perspective and feelings about your book, but I would love for the listeners to hear about Teach Me to Feel and the story behind it and just what inspired you to write it. Yeah. So my story in many ways is similar to yours. I had been studying the Psalms uh, prior to what led me to, I mean, obviously write the book, but then what led to the experience that led to me writing the book. And it was probably about like eight or nine months of studying them. I had uh, led a Bible study through the the wisdom literature and the Psalms. And so I'd grown to really love uh, just how they're put together and, and how we understand them and interpret them. And so it just kind of set me on the trajectory of, of studying them and then learning from others who had studied them. And, I um, was 33 weeks pregnant with my fourth son and uh, had a pregnancy complication. It's called a placenta abruption. And it put me in the hospital for three weeks because it was a partial abruption. And um, our lives were really uncertain. I There was a lot of days where they were like, you could either go home today, uh, you could either go deliver him today and, and everything could be fine, or he could he could die today or you could die today and you would not be fine. And so there was just a lot of uncertainty in our life for that three weeks. And that was incredibly difficult. And I remember thinking mm. if, if I had ever had like hospital bed rest, it would feel maybe like really fun because people right. bring you your food and take care of you. And that was, it was everything but that it was horrible. No. It was yeah. emotionally taxing. I, if you've ever spent any time in the hospital, you know that that there's nothing that you do that is your own when you're in the hospital. And so you're just, it, yeah, you get to like people do stuff for you, but you're in a constant state of, of panic most of the time. And yeah. so that's kind of where we lived. And I, I could not read anything but the Psalms. It was like I was reading words from friends of people who were experiencing difficulty and had I, I couldn't think of how to pray, but the Psalms somehow gave me words to pray. I I found myself, I journaled about them a lot. I would, I would spend time reading them in the morning or throughout the day, and I would write prayers based on them because that's all I could do. I just couldn't take in anything else. And so the Psalms have been, and as I've I walked through that that trial, my son um, lived, he, he'll be three next week. And so in many ways, this is like right now is like the time period of when I was in the hospital. And so time of year always brings up a lot of angst and emotion to me because I think of all that we were walking through in that time. But um, I remember reading something from, uh, I think it was D.A. Carson. And he was saying that you fi- if you find someone who loves the Psalms, you'll usually find someone who has been made to love the Psalms because of walking through some sort of trial or suffering. Right. And I yeah. think that's true of people who, who, who tend to go to the Psalms in times of great distress and in the Psalms, they find great hope and great encouragement 
um, and great solidarity by those who've also walked through great suffering and distress. And so I, everyone, if someone loves the Psalms like you and me, they tend to have a story that goes along with it of how the Lord used it in their depression or in their physical suffering or in their any type of, or maybe even relational suffering. Yeah. They find the Psalms to be faithful um, because the Psalms, like every book of the Bible is about God, but because the Psalms are poetry, they speak to us in a, in a way that um, the epistles don't because poetry gets at us at our, at our feelings level. And we often tend to have our feelings heightened in the midst of grit, in the midst of trial. And so they, they help us in those moments where our feelings tend to be, uh, all over the map. Uh, they, they anchor yeah. us. I really love the way that you opened up the book with talking about Psalm 1, the importance of being planted in God's Word and just delighting in Him. And um, and then you move into Psalm 2. Those are those are two Psalms that some people are like, those are not going to be my go-to, you know, yeah, <laughs> go, to, yeah. go to the Word for comfort. Can you share about uh, kind of what led you to to include those? Because I, I think that's super powerful and it really sets up the whole book. But those Psalms were written to set up the book of Psalms for us too. Right. Yeah. So the, the reason I included them is because all Old Testament scholars agree that the Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are, are considered the, the prologue of the book of Psalms. And yeah. so I, I didn't think you could have I didn't think you could read the Psalms rightly in the way that they were intended to be read and understand them rightly um, if you didn't have these two Psalms undergirding what's happening in the rest of the Psalms. Yeah. So, because I think sometimes we tend to read the Psalms as a, we take, we, we cherry pick them. So we read one for, we just go and read one at a time and we, we read them for their, um, the things that they do for us. And that's helpful because I do think the Psalms speak to us in really profound ways, but at the same time, I think it's helpful for us to to see them in the way they are intended to be understood because it gives us a richer understanding of the Psalms. And then it also helps us see our own life rightly as well. So Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, Psalm 1, both of them kind of tell you what the blessed life is. And so mm-hmm. Psalm 1 begins with, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So it starts with this negative, uh, what, what the blessed man doesn't do this, but the blessed man he doesn't, so he doesn't follow the path of wickedness. He follows the path of righteousness, and the path of righteousness is meditating on God's word. So, if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to grow like a tree planted by streams of water, your life will be rooted in God and His word. And so, right at the outset, the psalmist, the psalmist wants us to understand that if you want to flourish and bear fruit um, and prosper, not in a prosperity gospel type of way, but living a truly blessed life, a happy life in God, yeah. you will you will be rooted in God's word. And, and then Psalm two, which I think is the, Psalm two is the one we tend to not go to as much because right. <laughs> it's like, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? It's all about this. The, the world is raging all around us. But the point is in Psalm two is that there is a, there's one King ruling mm. and you either kiss the sun and live or you reject the sun and perish. And the Psalm two ends again with this blessed is the, is, is the man theme, a phrase, which kind of encapsulates Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 together as one unit. And it is showing us that the blessed life is found in trusting in the one true King and knowing that he will prevail even when it doesn't feel like he's going to and meditating on his word day and night. That's what happens. And you need that to anchor you because then you get to Psalm 3, which is Absalom, David's son, turning against him in rebellion. And the, the first, it, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 
the books are divided into five books, five books of their, so this, the whole book of Psalms has five units. The first unit is heavy, is heavy lament. And the first, the first chunk of the Psalms um, is, is heavy, heavy lament. And the reason is because that's where we all live. And, and I think especially now in the world that we're living in, we are feeling the angst of living in a post-Genesis 3 world. And you have to have Psalm 1 and 2 guiding you or you're going to fall apart when Psalm yeah. 3 comes. You need Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 to anchor you. And that's why it's set up that way because it's showing you what, what life is supposed to be like. So when you live what life really is like, you're not undone. And then the rest of the book of Psalms, it, it builds in praise. And so it, the lament is hard, 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 hard until it until it gets better towards the end of the book of Psalms, because what's it's what the psalmist, what the person that who put the Psalms together is trying to show us is that the end goal is always praise. So Psalm 145 through 150 um, is all praise. And the last book, book five, is heavy praise, whereas book one and through book three is more heavy lament. And so Psalm one and Psalm two tell us what life's supposed to be like. The middle of the Psalms tells us what life is like. And the end of the book of Psalms tells us where we're headed. That helps you understand the Psalms because don't we all live in that world? We, we are yes. looking towards the future. We're living in the messy middle and we're always looking back in the rear view saying, but this is what life is supposed to be like. I know that. I know this is true. And if you read the Psalms in that context and you understand that that's what's anchoring the Psalmist as well. Man, that's so good. And I, I mean, right now you and I are recording this in the middle of a lot of national unrest and so much pain that people are in and their pain is being reflected in different ways. Some some people are are expressing their pain in godly ways and some people are not. And there is so much division and it's so helpful to know that in when we're in a season of not being able to make sense of our world, we have something to make sense of the world for us and that's the word of God. Mm-hmm. And I just I love what you're sharing there because it it's so encouraging to me to hear this again to to re- remember that God is constant, that there is one king, and that the the place we're in is not the place we're going. This is not this is not where we're staying forever. And that's so encouraging to me. Yeah, and we need that now more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. So if we ever had any illusions that this is all there is, I feel like the where we're at now is really shattering those illusions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm sure that you've talked about this a million times since this book came out, but I I know so many women, including myself, that just struggle so much with understanding what to do with our own emotions, mm-hmm. being told we're too emotional or mm-hmm. like even just I'm I'm a crier. Like it does not take very much for me to cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't. And I mean, I've always felt like that was that I was broken or that was bad about me or whatever. And I I've, I'm learning, thankfully, by the grace of God, that um, the way that God has created me as a soft person is not a bad thing. But at the same time, I don't want my emotions to rule me. I don't want to be captive to them. Like I believe with all my heart in bringing everything into submission to Christ. And that includes my feelings. And so I have to be able to, you know, take what I'm feeling and actually say, okay, how do I need to bring this thought into the captivity to Christ and and understand it through his word. And I'm just really thankful for how you connect the Psalms to Jesus throughout this book as well, but also just how there are really strong pointers to the gospel in terms of bringing our feelings to the Lord and having him, how, how the Psalms 
helps us to understand it. But would you explain, though, is somebody like me who might be struggling with their feelings and then doesn't understand what to do with them, what happens mm-hmm. if we don't learn and understand how to view our feelings and emotions rightly? Are there some errors that we're going to fall into if we don't get this straight? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things I always want to help people understand first when they're talking about feelings and emotions is that as an image bearer, you are created to feel. So your feelings and your emotions that you are given are given to you by God because you bear his image. And we see that most clearly played out in in the incarnation of Jesus. When Jesus comes to earth as a human, uh, he embodies what it means to be the perfect human. And as the perfect human, he has emotions and he has feelings. So whenever I always love to talk about how the Jesus storybook Bible, Sally Lloyd-Jones says that Jesus is everything that God wanted to tell us about himself in a person. Um, And that's so helpful because when you look at Jesus, he feels deeply. He grieves over the death of his friend, Lazarus. He is uh, compassionate. He is um, angry over sin. And so there's all these, he, he, there's these deep emotions and feelings that he possesses. So we will not be fully embodied humans if we don't get what it means to process our emotions or to feel rightly. So I think Christians can fall into one of two errors when they think when they are just people in general can fall into one of two errors. But you see this in particular with Christians is that you're either on one spectrum of giving full vent to your feelings. I just feel this. I must express it. Or the other extreme is to feel anything except resolute trust in the Lord is is sinful. So to to not to always be tacking on, but God is sovereign or God is good onto every emotion that we're feeling is is a danger as well because because I what we're trying to do is help people. The Psalms show us that we feel life in a broken world, and so sometimes you're you are grieved deeply, and in your soul you might know uh, that God is good, but you you don't always feel it. Doesn't always feel like He's good, right? I mean, the circumstances yeah. that you're experiencing don't always feel that, and so. Um, we need to help people work through the stages of what it means to feel rightly. I think for the Christian who is struggling with wanting to give full vent to their feelings and maybe struggles with their feelings more deeply than others. So I struggle. I don't, I'm not a crier. I always wish I was. I feel like that would. I'm. I. Um, I struggle more with probably like anger and lack of self control and just feeling like so frustrated. Like I, but I do. I do feel everything very deeply. And for me, I've had to learn to have my feelings be shaped by God and his word. And so I, I don't get a pass at saying, well, I just felt that therefore I, I did it. Or I, I just feel this way. And therefore my feelings, my feelings are infallible, but they are fallible because I'm sinful. And so I'm going to feel things wrongly. So that's why the Psalms help us because the Psalms show us how to feel with God in full view. And so how do you how do you feel when someone has betrayed you? Well, you, you you are always going back to to the Lord. You're always taking your requests back to Him. You're always letting your feelings be shaped and harnessed by who He is. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you don't say fully how you feel, but it does mean because the Psalms are filled with some very raw raw emotions. And I right. we don't I don't think we always we don't especially when we're just reading it 
we don't sense it. it I, I would encourage people to read certain Psalms out loud, like read Psalm 88 out loud mm-hmm. and you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, if someone talked to me that way, that'd make me so uncomfortable. And so letting your feelings be shaped by God in his word and who he is, is helpful for the one who wants to give full vent to their feelings. For the person who does not want, who, who maybe struggles with, with processing their feelings or wanting to stuff their feelings and not fully express them, that's where going to the Psalms is helpful because the Psalms give you uncomfortable feelings like Psalm 88, read Psalm 88 out loud yeah. and really wrestle with how would I respond if I heard someone speaking this way or if someone read this Psalm in church, would I think that that's unbiblical or unright or not right? Mm-hmm. And you have to say it's absolutely biblical. It's in the Bible yes. <laughs> as an appropriate expression of, of, of grief and, and, and loss and, and difficulty and depression. And so I think for both, the Psalms help both of us, both people on both spectrums to really wrestle with what it means to be a fully embodied human who feels life deeply. Yeah, that's so good. Oh man, so good. I think I really appreciate you kind of addressing like for for the Christian who feels like they want to give full vent and for the person who feels like they have to stuff it basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's so helpful. Thank you. So when it comes to the Psalms, you've kind of touched on this a bit, but how, how can, are there some specific Psalms that really help us to, to guide us in submitting our emotions to the Lord or, or is there kind of a general pattern for that maybe in bringing our emotions to, to the Lord and trusting him with our heart in that sense that, you know, God, you're totally capable of, of taking everything that I'm feeling and, and helping me process it. Yeah. So I think there are a couple of things. Uh, this, there's the Psalms are, there's a lot of different types of Psalms in the right. book of Psalms. The most of them are either psalms of praise, psalms of thanksgiving, or psalms of lament. There's other ones in there. Many of them, almost the majority of them are psalms of lament. So a, a psalm of lament generally follows a pattern of, of um, complaint to the Lord and, and then turning in trust. So acknowledging that you're praying to the Lord, a complaint of your circumstances, and then an acknowledgement of trust in the end. There's only one psalm in particular that does not end with a with the trust at the end, Psalm 88 yeah. ends with darkness is my only friend. So that is, is sometimes where we live. And so that is helpful in shaping those hard emotions that we feel that are, that are, whether it's anger, cause there's Psalms of lament about anger. There's Psalms of lament about um, someone who's betrayed you. There's Psalms of lament about injustice or um, grief or, depression or despair. And so those are helpful in shaping how we feel in those instances. But the Psalms of praise and thanksgiving are helpful in the moments of of joy as well. So I think for Christians, we tend to go to the Lord the most when we're on our, when when our backs against the wall or we're flat on our faces because of suffering. It's a little bit easier for us to come to him in our times of despair because we have nowhere else to go. But we also need psalms of psalms of thanksgiving are are psalms that are written when when the psalmist has been delivered from something. So that when that prayer of lament has been answered, that's what psalms of thanksgiving are. Mm. And they help us in our times of great joy as well. And and we don't want to be like those lepers who are healed. Uh, in the gospels and who, who leave after Jesus heals them and never comes back to, to praise him right. for what he's done. And so the Psalms are for every season of life. They're for the times of joy and the times of sorrow, the times of deliverance. And then the times when we're, when we're waiting to be delivered. And 
I, I always want to help when I was writing the book, I tend to be a more melancholy person. And my editor was like, you cannot have only sad psalms in this book. <laughs> and he was right because, because that's not, that's not, I mean, life is about, we get delivered too. Yeah. The Lord does answer our prayers and we do rejoice when he does that. And we should, and we should give him honor and praise or like Psalm 103, which is all about just praising the Lord and gratitude mm-hmm. for what he has done. So the Psalms are for whole living, for living in the darkness and living in the light. And I, I would want the Christian who is in a time of great rejoicing to be able to go to the Psalms and find comfort there in the same way they would be able to go to the Psalms when life is really hard as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, um, like we need to be trained to express our joy just as much as we need to be trained to express our dark feelings. Oh, for sure. For sure. Cause we don't want to just yeah, have we're... joy come out as like happy, bubbly, everything's great. And then be plunged into the depths whenever something terrible right. happens, but to have right. kind of that, that evenness of knowing like God is good at all times. And, and right. I need to know how to express his goodness to him and, and mm-hmm. thank him. Right. And, and what, one of the things I think that's so helpful in the Psalms is there's all, often a community aspect yes. to the ends of the Psalms. And so there, it's this, I will praise him in the land of the living, or I will praise him in the community of, of, of God's people or in the temple. And, or um, the Psalm can be a, very personal. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord forever. Right. And the reason for that is because our our deliverance is never just about us. It's it's collective. We are we are a part of a body of believers. So when we suffer, we suffer together. When we rejoice, we rejoice together. And we don't ever know what our rejoicing might do for someone else. Mm. And so we we do need to make a practice and a habit of of bringing to mind gratitude to what the Lord has for what the Lord has done. But it's never only about us. It's about all those who are watching and experiencing God's goodness in our lives. And maybe they're not experiencing right now, but maybe it bolsters their faith that they will one day experience that. In the same way that when we're suffering, we need people to come alongside us and to lament with us, but also to rejoice with us when things, when we are finally delivered. Yeah. Yeah. So important. So in your own life and in your experience and the various trials you've had since writing this book, is there a way that, or or some ways perhaps more than one, that the Lord has used the Psalms to conform you more to Jesus Christ as, as you face these trials? Yeah. So I think, so when, when we, when I wrote the book, the, one of the things that I I thought about was that I was writing it with the past in view. And so yeah. Ben had been born, Ben had lived and we had walked through, and I'd walked through a lot of, of trauma and depression and, th- and all of that coming on the backside of that. And when the coronavirus quarantine started, the Psalms became really important to me mm-hmm. again, because for me, it was bringing back all these like emotions of like fear of death. And like, we, everything was so uncertain in the early days when we, like where it just seemed like, people were getting sick all the time and people were dying all the time. And for me, it was just really emotionally heavy. And so I, I, I remember in the early days when we were all quarantined at home a few months ago, thinking I never, ever thought when I was finishing this book that I would be like leaning on the Psalms again in a pandemic. Like I just didn't think, I mean, I mean, of course I didn't think that, but 
the Lord has other purposes. And then about a month into the pandemic or in the quarantine and everything, I got diagnosed with cancer. And in all honesty, it felt like a horrible blow, mm-hmm. like that God had been completely cruel. Yeah. And and especially after our fa- our family's just gone through a lot in the last few years and even in the last 10. And so it it felt like something I just could not. I, I was like, I'm not going to make it out of this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to emotionally recover from another blow. Yeah. And I mean, I'm only like six weeks out from that. So I, I, I can't, I can't fully say that I think, oh, I've emerged and I've seen all that God has done. I don't, I don't have any real answer to that God delivered me. And so the, the cancer they were able to get with surgery, um, I didn't need chemo and radiation, which was a huge praise because in the early, early pathology was unclear. Right. So for the first little bit of time, we were unsure if, if I was going to need chemo and radiation, what our, what our next few months were going to look like. And especially in the midst of coronavirus where like that would just make everything way harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, in some ways the Psalms really were a lifeline to me because I spent so much time in them for months um, in prep from, I spent so much time in them with in the hospital with Ben, but I spent so much time in them writing a book about them. And so I have some of them just in my head because I spent so much time studying them and the Lord used them to remind me of who he was and that he is a very present, like Psalm 46, he's a very present help in times of trouble. And I needed that, especially in getting cancer in the midst of a pandemic, because the my husband couldn't go with me to anything. So he wasn't in, when I had a PET scan, he wasn't able to come into the doctor's office with me. He wasn't able to be with me when I had any of my, when I had any of my appointments with my oncologist, he was not able to be there. Um, he had to FaceTime in. Even when I had my surgery, I had to spend the night in the hospital. And once they wheeled me off to the OR, I didn't see him again until I was discharged. And so the, I was completely stripped of anything that would have left me with any comfort, mm. except I knew I, I had a, a very real sense of God's presence in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced in my entire life wow. because I've never actually been stripped of an, of everyone else's presence that I knew. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and every other time I've had surgery or been in a crisis situation, somebody I knew was with me Yeah. until that moment. Nobody was. And so I had to deeply rely on the fact that I do believe he's here. I do believe he's with me. I do believe he's a very present help in times of trouble. And I didn't have, it wasn't like I was holding on to some promise that I was going to be healed. And even, even now, I mean, I, like any person who's had cancer, you've, I've had cancer. And so I live between the appointments Mm -hmm. and waiting to see if it comes back again. Yeah. There's not any quick fix to it, but there is, there is an assurance that he's there. And there is an assurance that the worst cannot hurt me. The worst is death and separation from him. And that cannot harm me. And what I really struggled with after Ben was born was the uncertainty of life mm. that at any moment, something I can't see can kill me. So a placenta eruption, I didn't know was happening. And I didn't know until it was too late. I couldn't stop it. I couldn't see it. I couldn't predict it. I couldn't stop it. And in any moment you can be dead. And that was like totally like life altering for me. I just, I knew it in my head before, but experiencing it was another level. And I didn't understand until this time, facing my own mortality again, that that reality didn't scare me any longer. I had wrestled, I had walked through that and I had walked through the valley of the shadow of death and I really actually felt like I was not afraid of death. I was I was afraid of what death would do to my kids, but I was not yeah. afraid of death itself. Yeah. And 
I, I couldn't see that three years ago. Hmm. And so that helps me now when I'm kind of in this early phases of processing what happened that sometimes you can't see what the Lord's doing, but the the things that are true in scripture, someday, someday you'll come to the, the realization of, of their trueness in a better sense. Hmm. The Psalms have been utter, very meaningful to me throughout a lot of different things I, in ways I just never, ever, ever expected them to be meaningful to me. Yeah. Yeah. Never expected so I'm always like, I have no idea what's coming down the pike. <laughs> now I'm like, I, I feel like I'm just going to stop predicting it and just kind of let it go right. with whatever the Lord seems to. Yeah. We never, we never know, but we think we know. <laughs> we. Oh yeah. I, so I've spent a good part of my life trying to predict what, what could happen so that I can be prepared for worst case scenarios. And I've decided I, I don't want to predict those anymore. <laughs> no, that's so funny. That's so familiar too. I, I'm very much like that. Like, if I if I think about all the worst things that could happen, then when they possibly happen, then I'm ready for them. But that's not really yes. Oh, I do that all the time. I do it all the time. Yeah, and I'm never prepared for the thing that I that actually happens. Right. So it's funny how that works. It's like we would actually you'd think we would stop doing that. <laughs> but yeah. But no. Yeah. So you did talk about you know processing joy and grief and walking through fear and crisis. Mm-hmm. For somebody who might just feel like, you know, my life is kind of average right now. Maybe they're not necessarily in a difficult season, but they also don't want to mm-hmm. be lackadaisical when it comes to really anchoring their hearts in the Lord. Is there mm-hmm. a particular way you found that the Psalms help us to navigate and process just everyday life? Yeah. So that's where Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 is really helpful, mm-hmm. uh, primarily because they they talk speak to us in the time of preparation. So Psalm 1 is about the person who is rooted and grounded in God's word. And the Psalm 1 tells us that he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And you might be in a season of of ease or or things are going well, or a season of, of what I was always called, if it's going well, it's a season of preparation. And so how are you preparing for whatever the Lord has for you? Yeah. It's not to be ominous. It's just to live. We live in a broken world and we're told that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. It's expected that Christians will suffer. If you read any part of the New Testament, mm-hmm. that is an expectation of Christians is that we live in a, in a broken, sin-cursed world and we're going to face suffering and you might not face it for many, many years down the road, but you will not be ready for it if you are not like that tree planted by streams of water that's taking in scriptures. Because that the tree that's planted by streams of water has deep, deep roots that are that are nourished by the stream that is planted near. Mm-hmm. And you can't be nourished by something that you're not that you're not near and and, and in constant communion with. And the way that we're going to grow is by knowing God through his word. That's what he's given us to grow is, is, is his word. So for anyone who's in a time of, of joy or preparation, I would say no, spend time knowing God through his word. Uh, I remember hearing a few years ago, one of the, fir- the first gospel coalition women's conferences I went to was, it, it was in Orlando. So it was a long time ago now. And Paige Benton Brown was talking about the value of Bible study mm-hmm. as a breakout session. And she said, she tells a story of a woman who, and she used that she was, this woman's daughter got, ended up getting cancer. And she had said, she, the, this woman had spent years upon years upon years pouring God's word 
into her life through studying his word, through knowing him through his word. And she said, I was just making deposits. I was making deposits. I was making deposits. And so when her daughter got cancer, she was just withdrawing and withdrawing and withdrawing because you're not able to take in, in those Mm. times of great difficulty. But she said, I was never overdrawn. Mm. And that's the, that's the Christian's experience. And so the Psalms help us because they tell us what, what life is supposed to be like and that the way you're going to stand in suffering in the, in the messy middle of the rest of the Psalms is by rooting yourself in, in God and his word. So that's what I would say to the person. That's how the Psalms help us and prepare us is they, they tell us where, where the preparation should be happening and when it should be happening. That is so good. And because I think it's really easy for us to just be like, everything's fine right now. I can just relax, maybe spend more time on my phone, maybe not read my Bible mm-hmm. so much. And mm-hmm. and that really, we miss out on that opportunity, first of all, to bear fruit in the easy season where it's like, okay, if if nothing is really terrible and you're not terribly distracted from what's right in front of you by a lot of trial and pain and suffering. Well, this is Mm -hmm. a great time to be bearing fruit. It's a great time to be pouring out for other people. And so we've got to be, like you said, planted by the stream and really drawing from our source of, of everything that we need to bear fruit. And then I love that the way that you phrase that as a season of preparation, because you don't know what's coming. You, I mean, you can sit and imagine all the terrible things that will happen, but it isn't going to it isn't actually going to prepare you, especially not the way that the word prepares you and meets you. And I, I just finished rereading um, The Hiding Place, you know, the book by mm-hmm. Corey Ten Boom. And I, yeah. I think I felt like every page just reminded me over and over about the necessity of being in the word, first of all, but also the way that God uses his word later in life when you don't realize mm-hmm. that the thing you're taking in is actually going to help you to pour something out for somebody else right. or to um, meet a need when you're hungry and starving for companionship right. and love. Yeah, I just I was so struck by that. And I just thought I never, ever want to take the word for granted because, right. yeah, you just don't know what's coming. And if anything, if COVID has shown us anything, if if our world has shown us anything in the last few months, that is really it that you really just don't know right and um it's yeah. so important to 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 take in during those seasons of preparation absolutely and you won't you won't be ready no you won't be ready if you have not spent time taking in the word yeah i mean think about how like if anybody doesn't know the story of cory ten boom like it's definitely worthwhile to go read the book and um but i i just think about how like her life and her experience and her sister's experience would have been so different if their dad hadn't read the word to them, if they hadn't invested themselves in the word, they mm-hmm. would not have been prepared to meet the trials and the horrible things right. they experienced. Um, and right. and I, you know, I pray honestly that I never have to go through something like that, but I I want to be ready with whatever God puts in front of me to to make me more like Jesus. And I, and I know his word will be faithful and sufficient to meet me in that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. This has been so great to chat with you about this. I love the book. I'm so thankful for it, Courtney. Thank you for for writing this and um, just taking the time to draw these truths out for us. It's, it's such a gift. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for reading and for promoting it. And I pray it encourages people. Yeah, definitely. Where can people find you? I'm on um, social media. So like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all just my name. Keep it real simple. Courtney Rysick. Okay. <laughs> so you can find me in all those places. And I have a website, CourtneyRysick.com. I'm not super great at 
at uh, writing there, but I occasionally write there. Okay. No worries. That sounds good. Before we go, I'll ask you the question I ask every guest. How has the Mm -hmm. Lord been working in your life lately? Is there something that he's used to encourage you in your walk with him? Yeah, he's the thing I think that I've been really struck by having to uh, walk through cancer just recently is that I I can spend, I spent a lot of time trying to control outcomes. Like I talked about, like imagining what the worst case scenario could be, right. but I've also spent a lot of time being a little bit too nostalgic for what I hope normal could be like. Mm. And so I, it hit me after this that I had spent, I've spent the better part of three years grasping for something that I've made an idol out of, of trying to be, get back to where I've I feel like we'll feel like normal again. And we've, we've never actually gotten there. And so the Lord's really convicted me about making an idol out of comfort or normalcy um, Mm -hmm. or what I think normal should be. And reading the new Testament has just really struck me with the reality of suffering is normative. And that for me, if I had that normal, perfect normal that I thought we, I needed, I would make an idol of it. And I'd be comfortable here. And that's not the Christian's hope. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a forward looking hope. And I always wish that I could learn these things a different way, but for some reason I, need, I have a hard school and the Lord sees fit to work these things into me in these ways. So. Oh, that's, that's so powerful. I am very blessed by that. Actually, I've been finding the Lord tearing down my idols through so many different situations lately, but that is actually one thing that has come up a lot for me is that I keep thinking that if I could construct my own idea of normal and good, then everything would be fine. But that's not how God conforms us to Christ. And yeah, and I we were reading, my husband and I were reading um, John Calvin's little book on the Christian life. And there's a, kind of a section in there about how God uses trials to keep us from anchoring our hearts in this present world and and not longing for eternity with him. And I was very my husband and I were both convicted about that and just in our own different yeah. ways and like all the different ways that we're like, oh, we could just anchor our hearts here and we feel like we'd be fine. And that's not how right. he's made right. us. No, no. Yeah. No, I totally understand. So good to chat with you. Thank you again so much for being here today, Courtney. Thanks for having me. It was great talking with you. Friend, I am so glad that you were here and that you could catch this chat with Courtney And I'm praying that it will be an encouragement to you. We would love for you to connect with us on social media. You can find us by searching for Women Encouraged on Facebook and on Instagram at Women Encouraged. In Psalm 61 verses 1 through 3, David prays, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. And again in Psalm 119, 49, and 50, he says, Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. For many years, the Psalms have comforted me and assisted me in praying, and one of the most compelling factors that has driven me to the Psalms again and again has just been the knowledge that these are the songs of Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus models for us how to look to the Word to give us words for our feelings and to define our emotions and our contexts biblically. There is so much clarity and comfort to be found when we align our hearts with God's standards and with the pattern and language He gives us. 
I hope that you, friend, will open the Psalms and use them as you speak to the Lord and as you speak to your own heart. Thanks again for being here.